inner pathways, inspirations for your journey towards sustainability and beyond. Welcome back, everybody. This is Deborah, and I wish you a merry Wesak together with this amazing full moon. May this be for all of you a time full of love, wisdom, compassion, regeneration, and unity. This podcast is a way to celebrate it, and we chose to pay tribute to one of the main inspirators of our project, Arawana Hayashi, the amazing choreographer and performer who created a transformative synthesis between theatre, embodied presence, dialogue, stillness and presencing called social presencing theatre. Haravana has been working for decades with Otto Sharma at the Presencing Institute, bringing her art and approach that is enriched with meditative and mindful practices. We take this opportunity to celebrate the recent release of her latest book as well. The book is called Social Presencing Theatre, The Art of Making a True Move. That is an affirmation of the power of art as a spiritual practice and as an agent for social change. SPT is a practice that we have widely used in Inner Pathways Towards Sustainability, both as an individual and a group tool to anchor our physicality with an understanding of how it expands into social consciousness and action. Peter Hoffman, our team member, who has long worked with her, has interviewed her for us. So, I leave you with them. Okay, well, hello, Aravana. I'm really, really happy to see you. And you said yes to this podcast. So, happy to have you here. Uh, thank you, Peter, so much for the invitation. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Great, me too, me too. I would go straight to your book. Now, if we, and I call myself now part of the group, waiting for quite some years now, hoping that there will be once a book about social presencing theater from you, and we knew it's in the process, but we wondered when, and now it's out. <laughs> what does it mean personally for you that this book is written? Oh, it's a great uh, invitation for reflection. Um, so the the book is um, is a journey, I suppose, uh, that everyone who encounters this work has a a journey from when they are first introduced to how it is to be a practitioner, and that somehow this work is part of um of how we can help out in the world how we can bring more embodied presence more um feeling of uh, relationship with others and more creativity into our uh, life and work so for me it was a an opportunity to 
to reflect on the ground that when I first met um, Otto Scharmer and first came into the community of change makers, um, there so much had happened before then in my life, in working with people, in um, making dances, in improvising, um, in being influenced by uh, meditation tradition. Uh, and I, I felt um, called to just make mention of that, that social presencing theater didn't just pop out um, 10 years ago, but it had such deep roots in the arts and in um, groups of adventuresome people and in uh, meditation tradition. And I wanted to, to share that as well as um, being able to support uh, practitioners who, who might um, um, who, who might feel the richness of each practice with just a little bit more sense of the history and the view and some of the experiences that we've all had over the years. Mm. Mm. It seems good to write it down somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and I hope that it, it supports people. Was there anything specifically difficult or challenging in putting this together? Did you encounter anywhere say, oh, this was the, this chapter was especially difficult or this part was more challenging than others? Um, it's easy for me to, uh, you know, to write things down, but I, the challenge was how to structure something that, um, <clears throat> that teaching something has a beginning and it unfolds in a particular way. Like we always start with personal embodiment practices, personal mindfulness awareness, and then it extends out awareness of others and this sense of nowness being present uh, so that we are in tune with um, creative uh, process with uh, what is an emerging future, as it were. <clears throat> but somehow the books seem to require something else, some other way of jumping into it. And therefore, I needed friends and readers in the beginning to help with the structure. Mm. So I think it's a the structure of how a story can unfold for a reader is not the same as how you teach the material or how you invite people to practice. Uh, so that that was thinking, uh, trying to think like a reader rather than think like a person who, um, you know, who would be coming to a, a, <laughs> a mm. practice or a course. So I think that was it. And I think production was difficult. It was a, I don't, I've never written a book and PI Press is, has a minute, you know, a, a minimal approach to, yet to pr publishing, just starting out. So the, that it's a whole new world of how mm. uh, to write a book and mm. to think like a reader. <laughs> mm -hmm. Would you say for 
you know, people who have not come across yet, who have not participated in any, let's say, social presencing theaters, events, training courses, they would still find, you know, the book not only relevant, but even inspiring, and they could get into the book? I hope so, Peter. Um, there are there are chapters which may be more detailed than you would want to know about how to uh, facilitate or encourage others to do a particular practice. Mm. And these chapters may not be um, uh, the most relevant for every every reader. Um, but there are also uh, parts of the book which really talk about the culture we live in, the times we live in, and how we can best collectively make choices and, um, as we call them, the true moves that would lead toward uh, co-creating a good society and uh, with positive regard for all beings, in, including the planet Earth. So I'm hoping that there's um, that it isn't so specific around practices that others wouldn't enjoy or benefit from the book. And I've been encouraging people like to just skip over the parts that <laughs> that seem to be more more specific to a practice, and um, and try to regard the um, the practices themselves as uh, how to live a life. <laughs> that they are about personal embodiment and then the social body and even if you don't do these practices there's something that points to how um you know how our our life can be full of meaning and connection and um, creativity mm. it's great great you're saying this this connects also very well to you know this this podcast being very much part of the or for the community and the network, which is called Inner Pathways Towards Sustainability, where for now three years we're a European network of facilitators, educators who are supporting, let's say, change makers, activists, communities wanting to be more in connection with the earth, basically to live a more regenerative life in tune with the planet and we found that many people we and activists especially we came in touch with there was often also a little bit they have not found their place from which they could act in peace and connection so they were either very kind of ooh, almost eagerly fighting or mm -hmm. rather being frustrated, burned out, and in between. So we've tried to seek which kind of tools can support them. Mm -hmm. And that's where we also um, invited social presencing theater and embodiment techniques to come in. So I, perhaps you can elaborate a little bit more on this, how you know people who are active out there could benefit really from uh, a practice like social presencing theater. Mm -hmm. What first comes to my mind is 
this sense that our body, our individual body, um, is sustained by and in a very intimate and deep relationship with the earth body. That our own body made of earth and water and heat and breath, you know, is in fact uh, natural <laughs> and, and is in relationship with the earth's body. And many of us, because of speed and urban living and because we think so much and live so much in our thought world of memories and imaginings and uh, opinions, assumptions, whatever, concepts, that we lose touch with, we actually lose touch with our earth body and our uh, place on the earth body. So that we lose the natural nourishment and sustainability of just feeling each footstep on the earth, that this literalness of connecting with the earth and also connecting with our sense perceptions that this and what we see what we hear what we smell taste and feel is is nourishing color and um, um sound and keeps us grounded on this earth and then the second part is this um, sense of the the vibrancy of our earth of our um, not only earth connection but of our connection with others mm. and that that we approach this work from an appreciation for non-doing for space for stillness as well as for the engagement so that that becomes more balanced. I suppose you could say it's a relationship between an inner sense of openness and um, a kind of ability to rest with our own experience and activism or how we engage. Mm. And that, that that relationship between a a kind of stillness that invites resonance, invites this present moment of, of, of whatever our experience is without any opinion about it, mm. is a kind of making friends with this very experience mm. and making friends with our own experience, being and fundamentally non-aggressive toward ourselves in the world. Mm -hmm. And that that allows us to engage in change in issues of injustice and inequality and, um, and all of the systemic um, kind of disconnects and um, abuses it allows us to engage but not from this attitude of we know better or um, kind of arrogance or 
um, from the from the the platform of blame and shame, it, it moves us out of that limitation into, you know, how do we co-create mm-hmm. with others who may seem may feel quite different than we do, but how do we listen and how do we co-create something for our children, grandchildren, and their children that will be a sustainable uh, life. That's beautiful. It, it, it reminds me that there's a lot of um, slowing down in a way needed to be able to come to that level of presence and, 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 and sense perception. Um, which is sometimes in, in this field, especially among activists, in contradiction mm. with this feeling of urge, this feeling of it's not fast enough, you know, there's so much pressure, there's so much pain, there's so much damage already done. Mm-hmm. And to hold that in a way of saying, we should have done all of it yesterday, and then saying, well, wait, you know, slow down, <laughs> come first to your sense in a way. Eh? For some people, it was is 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 not hard. I sorry, it's hard in a way to accept. I I understand that. I feel that myself. Mm. <laughs> I feel it myself. This constant urgency or calling to, um, you know, to help out basically, mm. and uh, some recognition that. Um, that I'm, if I get completely caught there, that that I'm not actually engaging from a place of wisdom. No. Um, my own um, spiritual teacher, uh, who was um, a Tibetan um, meditation master, Trungpa Rinpoche, um, he used to, he had this expression called idiot compassion. And it as as to distinguish it from a true compassion of of being able to feel the suffering of others and allowing that sadness or that sorrow or that uh, kind of um, you know n- not wanting this to happen. Um, allowing engagement from that place um, and and not dividing the world into these are the good ones and these are the bad ones not overlaying this kind of you know your own moral judgment on on everything so there's there's deeper wisdom you know that we have seen from great leaders you know Nelson Mandela or Dr Martin Luther King great leaders who are able to to act and speak from their own kind of wisdom mind and their own real compassion mind mm-hmm rather than kind of running around putting out fires because it makes you feel like you have accomplished something mm-hmm. so idiot compassion is often a kind of enabling can be enabling but it also can be doing things that make me feel like i'm doing something important 
-hmm. which is really not the point. Uh, and it, so the, the stillness part or the practices that I think you, uh, Peter, and others are bringing into this community uh, around mindfulness and around a, a cont uh, some kind of contemplative uh, practice um, is not to, to avoid or to uh, uh, become ignorant of the suffering in the world and sort of, well, I have to take care of myself here and I have to, you know, not let bad energy in and that kind of thing. We're not talking about that at all. We're basically saying that these kind of stillness practices, or in my case, embodiment practices um, that allow for stillness and for deep listening to uh, myself and others that these are are, try, are are connecting in some way with our own um, humanity and our own insights. And not only in terms of being more sustainable, that there's, you know, one's no help to anybody if you just burn out, but, um, but also that they connect with a deeper and more inclusive uh, heart and mind. And, through the through our social presencing theater there's this continuous invitation into um into uncovering that which is everyone's you know everyone is full of wisdom and compassion and care uh and depth in that way and and uh in a way kind of boycotting speed <laughs> to some extent um, so that we can move uh, quickly and efficiently, but it doesn't seem like we're running about like a chicken mm -hmm. with a head cut off trying to, um, uh, you know, trying to uh, survive and push others in some direction, manipulate situations, mm -hmm. which is, is not in the end going to be sustainable. Mm. I remember very well in, when we did the facilitator training and you were saying at a certain point it is a task for us as humanity in a way also collectively to be able to learn to hold the brokenness mm -hmm. as one important step in a way towards our let's say more sane future in a way and i remember that it resonated really really a lot and it comes back to me it comes back to me of course it's something you know what does it mean of course exactly hmm? to, to hold a brokenness huh? <laughs> and yeah perhaps you have a few sentences around more about what it means for you to hold the brokenness So, um, you know, everyone, every being wants to be happy, animal or human, or, and we want others to enjoy, um, uh, you know, happiness. And, and, and there's, um, an, I think, a capacity that we, can develop to hold or to be with, let's say, to not m make war on um, 
unwanted experience mm. and and feeling confusion or um, anger or um, sorrow Uh, can can be a an unpleasant experience and and in this approach we're saying that we could drop our judgments about things or the meaning making around it the stories around our feelings and actually just hold the feeling let's just be with whatever the experience is and the experience is full of like past like we all personally and collectively have past hurts and trauma and um in many cases you know historic ethnic uh violence all of us right and this is in our body-mind system, this recollection of our personal and collective um, pain. And yet, if we don't go into the story around that, and the, you know, who did what to whom of it, then it remains a feeling, a quality of experience. Mm. And if we stay with that feeling or hold to that, not just individually, but let's say as teams or groups as well, there's enormous heart there. Mm. There's enormous Mm. care hidden there. And there's um, openness and freedom there. And in the end, our work is somewhat involved with freedom because we're not interested in just repeating habitual patterns, Mm -hmm. downloading past experience onto every moment. But we're actually interested in innovation, social innovation and creativity. And how do we actually approach whatever our situation is with open freshness, with freshness, with seeing that things continually change anyways. Here we are called change makers, but we don't really make anything. Things are changing. That's the fact of the matter. Nothing stays the same, right? So we it's kind of a highfalutin title, I always think. Because change is how it goes, and change requires that there's an open space where people things can move. Movement is only possible when there's space, just literally, right? You can't move your arm if there's no open space. You can't think of something if your mind doesn't have an open sky quality that thought appears in and disappears. Right? And in our work, somehow, we're emphasizing the space part the place where there's room for things to move. Mm. And that is what we're calling an innovation, right? Not just a um, a habitual pattern, 
a, a uh, kind of groove in which we have to operate because the past w- was moving in that direction, momentum. Mm. But we're actually talking about freshness, openness. This has never happened before this moment. <laughs> mm. And anything is possible. So that's uh, that's the attitude yeah. we're using here, which connects then you know, to this sense of holding, like if you're trying to get away from your experience all the time, reacting toward, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's restricted. Mm. But holding and just being with what it is without making a fight here, it opens, our experience opens into a possibility that's not just a rehashed version of the past yeah so i think that's what we mean here by collective holding and why your work in terms of facilitation and how facilitating is a kind of leadership of the time that we live in (laughs) uh, is such an important Mm. offering right Mm. thank you when you were talking, another exercise I could experience with you came to my mind in a recent online workshop. You were inviting us to make a cup of tea. We had 10 minutes time and it was the invitation to be not so much combined with the actual tea making. So yes, make a tea, but that was not just for the result, but for to have this experience as fully as as full as possible for these 10 minutes. So to be as attentive and as, you know, with all the senses open, something I do, I don't know, five, six times a day, basically, that I make myself a cup of tea. And it's, it, was, it was profound, <laughs> it was really, and I find it so inspiring when it comes to this level of the, the beauty of the simplicity also, everyday tasks. Mm-hmm. But it, the difference comes from how I, I tend to them mm-hmm. and how mindless or how mindful I am with it in a way. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And, and I found there's a lot of potential in that, you know, invitations we have potentially every day around us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's yes. so much learning in that also, yeah. A young man said something after the this tea practice. He said, um, um, "I think I generally think of objects as just um, um, resources, tools for me to make something happen." And suddenly, I saw the cup as as a way of sort of communicating with the world mm-hmm. rather than like it's 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 here to serve me and what i want mm-hmm. that it had its own integrity and that it shifted my view of things that things are not just there as you know dead objects that i use but that the whole world has this quality of how we communicate, how we appreciate our world or something like that. It was beautifully said better than I'm saying it, but 
it, it has to do with when you talk about sustainability <laughs> or even meaning, right? But sustainability, it has to do with how we are in relationship with, with each other when we talk about social. Uh, but it's with we it's also with things and so the tea practice gives us a sense that there are things there's a cup there's water there's heat there's steam and that if we were just to take that 10 minutes and just do that instead of also washing what dishes and looking at our cell phone and um, kind of intervening. It has to do with non-intervention. <laughs> that I can barely walk around my house without having to intervene. I have an idea. This is, has to do this. Oh, yeah, that isn't in the right place. Oh, we need to fix that. Oh, I, this is just a constant chatter of things that I could do to make things different. <laughs> And something about being able to boycott that, I've learned that during the pandemic somehow, just being at home, how much there's always this thing, something has to be done, something has to be fixed, something has to be adjusted, something has to be changed. Hmm. So the tea practice was a way of just doing one thing, <laughs> which hmm. had a, an outcome, it wasn't just random. It had an actual outcome to make a good cup of tea. <laughs> and then without being stiff and weird, you know, how do you do that and appreciate each thing, each gesture, each object um, in a simple way? And how that is what I would be calling something that contributes to sustainability. Mm in a small way, it's a sustainability personally, that it's refreshing and full of appreciation. But it's also in a larger sense, it's about how we treat our planet in general, how we treat other people. And in this, I find because once we, we started very much with the term sustainability and it's still the term the name in our network but actually we came across at a certain point the term regeneration and it's it's of course words are words and, and but still we got more and more at hopefully not attached but anyway it resonated more with us this concept of regeneration as something which is a it's interior to us in a way. Yeah? We try to ourselves, as long as they can, they regenerate in a way. Yeah? It's in the animals, it's in the wild out there. So if you let ecological systems on their own, they are masterpieces of regeneration in a way, yeah? how they support each other in regenerating. Yeah? So in that way, I like this idea of how you can relate to the outside world with that lens of regeneration. How can I be with the others, be with the world in a regenerative way. Mm -hmm. And for this, I think it needs your body can be a great help. If the sense of your own body 
and noticing even how it works, you know, how, it, how the regeneration also, in the best cases, sometimes, you know, health is waking up and then it's not working so well, but all of that can be a, you can be attentive to that, you can be mindful to that. Mm, mm, mm. So I think that's why I like so much also bringing social presencing theater to that since of helping people Mm-hmm. To, yeah, to, to that the body can be a supporter in the way how you're going to also relate to the world. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the body uh, is such an interesting word, regenerate. It's almost as though it stopped generating and then it we rest, restarted or something like that. And the the stopping is this we, we often use this word in our social presencing theater uh, work as you know this word called stuck mm. uh, stuck means it's not moving forward therefore it's not generative in a way it's not um uh it, the, the the life force energy of something is not um just naturally uh, moving forward uh, or moving out, or moving at all, and therefore um, we can, um, by attending to the body and the the, the natural living quality, um, it 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 seems to kind of re. <laughs> maybe the word is more reconnect the the mind and the body. Mm. Because it's not that it isn't always changing and moving, but the mind and the body get disconnected. (laughs) The attention of the mind goes into this thought world, or let's say, um, yeah, let's say it starts with this kind of thought world. And then the practice allows the mind to resettle, let's say, with the embodied experience with the physicality of the body and that that body's experience can be both um, like sensations and sensations could include emotion what we call by their label emotion but basically it's a certain kind of sensation um, or feeling or experience and that that kind of sense of being, let's say, um, sets up a ground for um, for more, I don't know, gen- let's say generative conversation or generative listening or, you know, more, more potential for, um, for c- creation. And therefore, when that, so let's say it creates a body-mind synchronization, creates a kind of sense of being, right? Now right. We, we, we experience ourselves, we experience our sense perceptions, we experience our body sitting on the earth body. It's, it's imme- there's an immediacy of experience. And that sense of being is naturally like um, expansive. It naturally extends out. It doesn't like focus inward in a like a just um, 
you know, focus inward to, to the point where we don't have any environmental um, kind of relationship. I hope this is clear somehow. So body-mind synchronization, I'm saying, naturally has a kind of, uh, it naturally leads to a kind of awareness or interest or connection with the, with the world. And that basis then is where I, I think you're, you're pointing to that that becomes a regenerative um, experience. Like we can get disconnected and then we can be present, settle in a little bit, a little bit of mindfulness, a little bit of awareness. And that in itself becomes the basis for stepping forward. Or so I, maybe that would be a way we could connect in terms of regeneration and that that's not just a solo activity but that can be done in groups and uh, that's i think what we're our work is about yeah. we work with groups and how does that how do we collectively in a in a uh, in a more institutional way or more organizational way how does that work mm. It was beautiful in one of uh, one of the workshops we offered here in Vienna on that on that theme we've invited to do a village which is one of the classic uh, social presenting theater group exercises and we've put a globe in the middle of the village and it was in the all kind of activists of, of different nature and 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 the invitation was for 20 minutes anyway to to engage with the space the field the others and Okay, there's a globe in the middle. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful with this kind of, you know, the different ways of attending to that globe. You know, yeah? um, mm. the, the, some very careful, some touching, you know, some watching. And, and it's, it's, you felt like there it is. You know, it's like <laughs> it became so visible you know that's you always say you know theater from social presence theater comes from to make something uh, essential visible right. and that's what i find so powerful um that you take away words and you put a context you have a context there and something appears mm -hmm. which would be hard otherwise to, to to get hold of in a way if we start mumbling and talking and, and, and exchanging yeah, that, 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 that's my experience also. It just gets to the heart of the matter a little quicker. Absolutely. Absolutely. And once you get words in there, it's just can get very complicated quickly and um, miss the heart of the matter. Yeah. Absolutely. But once you are working with the body and space, um, space meaning the, the kind of arena where the bodies are moving together, so that we see the social body and its relationships and its center and its edge and its its framework somehow, uh, which are highly visible, bodies are highly visible, then you can really get to the, um, more quickly, I think, to not only what's there, but what's possible. What's possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that is a beautiful way of um, coming to a close of our conversation, looking at the time. Um, it's been a true pleasure, Ravana. Um, we could, I've, I've written many more questions, but it's this kind of, 
let's take for another another episode of another podcast. <laughs> so, oh, I love that. It was such a enjoyable conversation, Peter. I really appreciate it, and um, yeah, I really, really appreciate it. I, I guess I was going to say that I always learn something in in this. Uh, I learn things in this conversation, mm -hmm. and I I love that that I. Uh, and I love the, the questions that you asked. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. I too wish for a more embodied presence in these times of body evanescence. A stronger embodied presence can strengthen the feeling of relationship with others, with the earth, and hopefully make us more effective change agents. We'll talk about similar issues in the next podcast, but our guest will be different, so it will be a totally different world, or better, worlds. Actually, our guest will bring us to the territory that is between worlds. But I like to be a little naughty and I won't tell you his name. Surprise! Let's enjoy the beauty of not knowing. <laughs> In the meanwhile, I remind you to subscribe to our Spotify channel to listen to the other podcasts or to visit our Facebook page, Inner Pathways Towards Sustainability, and our website, innerpathways.eu, where you find out about our project and you can nourish your body and mind with a lot of materials. For instance, you'll find both a story on how Peter got out of a stuck situation using an embodiment exercise of SPT and a podcast offering a 10 minutes guided practice of SPT called Dance with the Not Knowing. <laughs> so, enjoy this time of rebirth and blossoming and see you the next full moon. <laughs>